Welcome to another inspirational podcast from Abundant Life Church, where we believe that God is a good God. He loves you and he wants to bless you. Now join us as we dive into today's message. I love that song, How This Is How I Fight My Battles, because it talks about being able to offer praise to God and thanksgiving to God. And sometimes we, we forget the kingdom of God does not operate in the world system. We've, we've been teaching on the kingdom all month long. And, and one of the things that we found out that when we receive Christ, we switch kingdoms. We move from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son's love, according to Colossians chapter 1. And as we read verses 12 through 16 there, you can go and look it up on your own later because we've already covered those verses. But the reality is we're no longer living, in, even though we're in the world, we're not of the world. We know that... that Satan came to Jesus and tempted him, and he showed him the kingdoms of this world. And he said, these kingdoms have been given to me. Now, they were given to him because Adam and Eve failed, and they entered into sin. They forfeited their right of ownership to Satan, and Satan took over what, what was man's, was created for man. And we know that anything that God's ever created for man, Satan's always come to steal, kill, and destroy it. It's never meant for the good. It's never going to be for the best. It's always going to be for destruction. If the enemy's involved, if Satan's involved in it, just know this. If it's in the world system, it's not for you to win. Jesus came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Jesus came that you would be able to operate as more than a conqueror. Jesus came that you might be the light in the darkest world, that people might see Jesus in us. Jesus came that when we begin to do the things we're supposed to do, people will see our good works and glorify God. In other words, we're supposed to be the witness in every area of our lives. And we live in the kingdom of God. If we practice the kingdom principles, then we will operate in that kind of success. We will operate in that kind of victory. We will operate in that kind of overcoming, if you will, ability of God in us because greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. And it's important we get a hold of this and we talk about kingdom and we talk about how the kingdom operates. We know over in the book of 2 Peter in chapter 1, verse 4, he says, Through great and precious promises, we partake of God's divine nature. Through the word of God, we partake of God's divine nature. Now, we need to get a hold of that for a moment because it says, Then we escape the ruin or the decay that is in the world through lust. The word lust there is inconsistency with God. What will cause us, anything that would pull us away from being consistent with God, he, that's referred to in the translation, it, it's, it's called lust, there's this translation of the English language, but the original text says that which is inconsistent with God. Anything that would pull you away, that would draw you from serving God, he says, he, he says, through the, he says the great and precious promises, we partake of God's divine nature, and we escape the, if you will, the temptation that the world gives to us. Now, that, that's really important we get a hold of that. Because if we're going to walk in victory today, we've we got to know that first off, it's by the Word of God. Why is that so important? Because Jesus is the living Word of God. I said Jesus is the living Word of God, John chapter 1. We know that He is the living Word of God. So if we're going to stay consistent in our walk with God, we've got to make sure that Jesus is truly the Lord of our life. Amen. Now, we're going to talk about some things this morning that I've talked about in the past. But I want to break it down to where hopefully we can get a hold of this today and enter into this incredible season that we're in. This is the year that God said that we're to be driven, that we are to be, listen, 
we know this, that Caleb said to Joshua after they won all the other stuff, he said, that's fine for you, but I want to go back to the, to the mountain range that was promised me. See, I've helped you possess this land, but I only have ownership in the mountains. Oh, Lord, help me here. See, you can help somebody possess something, and it might not be your possession. But everybody has ownership somewhere because God, he said that he knew you before you were ever formed in your mother's womb. He said he, he called you before you were ever born into this world. God had a plan for your life. He says, I have not seen, ear have not heard, or enter the heart of man the things that I prepared for you. There's something that God wants you to take ownership of. And we in the kingdom of God have to learn how, to, how do we take ownership. I said, how do we take ownership? And I want to walk you through some things, very practical things. Some of you can say, oh, I know that. But my question to you is this, if you know it, why aren't you doing it? Hello. See, when you, when you really know something and you don't practice it, then you're a fool. You're either a fool or you're rebellious, if you know it. You can't claim ignorance. But I am convinced that a lot of the body of Christ, they've heard it, but they don't, or they've listened to it, but they haven't really heard it. You see what I'm saying? They, they've been in services, they've listened to stuff, but they haven't really heard. What does heard mean? Comprehend, perceive, and understand. Faith cometh by hearing. The word hearing is comprehending, perceiving, and understanding. i got to spend time with this thing so I can comprehend it, perceive it, and understand it. So now I can make it applicable to my life so I can reap the benefit. God's word has been given to us so that we escape the corruption or the decay in the world that would cause us to be drawn away from God. So we, it's imperative that we understand what the Word of God teaches us. Now, in the book of Acts, chapter 2, we, we have this verse that is written because, and I'll, I'll read it first and then we'll get into some things. But when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Now, I realize that this is the premier chapter for Pentecostal pre people. It's what we hang our hat on. We believe in being baptized in the Holy Spirit. The Apostle Paul said throughout the book of Acts when he was talking to me, he said, if you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, he, he prayed for them. They laid hands on them. They, it, they talked about the importance of being filled with the Spirit. The Apostle Paul, when he, when he was writing to the churches of Macedonia, and we see in Corinthians, what is he saying? He says, I pray in the Spirit. I pray in tongues more than you all, but I also pray with the understanding. In the book of Romans, he said, well, I don't know what to pray. I let the Spirit pray through me, and he prays the perfect will of the Father. It's important that we're filled with the Spirit. In, in chapter 2, the book of Acts is the, is the hallmark for Pentecostals. And I've always read it that way and never saw it any other way until one day I was down praying and I said, God, I, I'm just curious because in the first verse it says on the day of Pentecost had come. I, I don't, I, I just am trying to figure out why you chose to release this incredible gift of the power of the Holy Spirit that would infuse us with the ability to reach the world with the gospel. Why was, what was so special about this day, about this season, about this festival of Pentecost? Now, I can get into a lot of things about that, but I want to give you some basic understanding. 
Pentecost was a season in which they would come to the temple. It was during the year that the season that the harvest had come in. And they were bringing their tithe to the storehouse. And the house is a house of prayer. And so they come to the house of prayer. And they would bring their tithe and thank God for what he had given them. They would give him thanks. So we had a house of prayer and we had a season of praise. But then the other one was, and the last before they would leave, they would leave an offering on top of their, on top of their tithe, which was a presentation, not for what is, but what is to come. Oh, come on, stay with me, folks. See, they would come to the house of prayer, they would give praise, and they would make a presentation. Come on, everybody say prayer, prayer. Praise, praise, and presentation. Now, it's important we, we get a hold of this. I was down praying. I said, God, I, I don't understand. He says they were in prayer, praise, and presentation. And any time my people move into prayer, praise, and presentation, they activate my presence. Oh, come on, stay with me, church. I said they activate my presence. And when you activate my presence and you begin to move in the area of, of the tithe, you release my power. I'm about to mess some of you up now. Release my power. And then when you give an offering, which there's no obligation to an offering, there's an obligation to a tithe as a believer. That means it's a choice that I choose. When I give a presentation, God says then that causes my passion to be manifested. Power. Presence, power. And passion. In the day of Pentecost, they were in one accord. They were in agreement in prayer, praise, and presentation. God said, I release the Holy Spirit because that is the place of my presence, my power, and my passion. Boy, that's exciting to me. I want you all to get a hold of that. Now, the point is this. You say, well, I know all that. Okay. Do you do it every day? Do you do it on a daily basis? You know, I, I, I can't think of how many years we've been here that I have taught this congregation that every day of my life, the first 15 to 30 minutes of every day is spent in meditation. It's a time of prayer, praise, and presentation for me before God. Every day of my life. And it's been years that way. And I always have people run me go, how do I know the will of God? Well, let me see. Let me check your prayer, praise, and presentation. Well, what, what, what do you think God's saying to me? Let's check your prayer, praise, and presentation. Why isn't God doing this? Let's check your prayer, praise, and presentation. It's important that we begin to understand that the kingdom of God works on principles. I said the kingdom of God works on principles. The principles that the kingdom operates in, we know is through the word of God. And the word of God is released to the understanding by the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is ignited by prayer, praise, and presentation. Now, why is that important? Because the Holy Spirit will give you insight and understanding to the Word of God. The Holy Spirit will paint pictures on the canvas of your mind that you can see what you've never seen before. The Holy Spirit will give you the vision. He'll cause you to be a visionary, serving a visionary God, seeing what God sees. That's what the Holy Spirit is here for. He's your helper. He's your empowerment. And God said he was released on the day of Pentecost because of prayer, praise, and presentation. 
And my question about that as I was in studying this is within God, do I have to wait for Sunday? You know, that's what most of us do. We wait till Sunday. But prayer, praise, and presentation is not about Sunday. It's about lifestyle. It's about kingdom principles. Amen? Come on, church. Stay with me on this. Now, as we look at this, I, w- I want to I give you a, a, a scripture found over here in the book of Proverbs in, in chapter 1. And let's look at verses 2 and 3. If we could put that up on the screen, please. Have we got that on the screen yet? Proverbs. There we go. To know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding. Look at verse 3. To receive the instructions of wisdom, justice, judgment, and equity. Wow. Wisdom. Everybody say wisdom. See, the Word of God gives you wisdom. The Holy Spirit gives you revelation to the wisdom of God. And that's what I want to impart to you today. My prayer today is the Holy Spirit will take you in a dimension about what we're about to teach in a place that you've never been with an understanding that you've never had that you will never, ever look back over your shoulder again. I'm of the firm belief there's no such thing as God's will for people to be hurting, for people to be broke, for people to be without. Jesus said, I've come, you might have life more abundantly. God said, I take pleasure in your success and your prosperity. The psalmist said in Psalms 1 that he was going to take you to that place by, and by, the, by the river by which that which you have produced will not fail but will always prosper in what you did. And so I have to ask myself, I spent uh, over 51 years this year in ministry. How many people have missed what God has for them? How many years did I miss what God had for me? And as a pastor, when I go before God, I don't want to go over him and say, but you didn't really help them understand this particular area. Now, in the Garden of Eden, God planted the garden. He put man and put man in charge of the garden. And in the garden, he said to man, you be fruitful, you multiply, and you replenish. That's what he said to man. Everybody say, my responsibility. Fruitful, multiply, and replenish. That's my responsibility. He says you are to guard and protect the garden. Now, I want to point out to you that the garden is a type and shadow of the Word of God. In the Word of God, when it is applied to your life, it will cause you to be fruitful, multiply, and replenish. Always does. He says, my Word does not return to me void. My Word prospers whereunto I sent it. It's a light, it's a lamp, it's food, it's water, it baptizes, it, it's, it, it cleanses. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word. In other words, the, the bread of God, the miracle working power of God. And the garden is that type and shadow. But God said, in my kingdom, I put a tree there that you're not to touch, you're not to eat from. He didn't say you couldn't touch it. Satan said that, or Eve said that. God never said you couldn't touch it. He said, just don't eat it. Oh, I'm messing some of you up now. I won't get into all that, but there's a reason why they could touch it, but they couldn't eat it. But that's another story. It's just like your time. You can touch it, but you can't eat it. 
Hello. See, the tithe was represented in the tree. God says, I've got a portion that's mine. I'm going to give you everything that's here, but this is mine. You need to understand that. You've got to guard it and protect it. It's mine. And everything else is going to be fruitful, multiply, and replenish that I've given you. But you cannot eat of this tree. You can maintain it. Ooh. In other words, you can touch it, but you can't eat it. Whew. Well, we're going somewhere this morning. So I was going, man, I need to go home. Don't turn that TV off. Don't turn that computer off. Stay with me. <laughs> and so mankind, when they partook of what was God's, lost what was theirs. <laughs> when you take what's God's and eat it, then you're going to lose what God provided for you to eat. Now, now, now watch this. We're, we're going to place with this. So we go through and we, and, we, and we go into chapter 12. We find that Abraham is called of God. Abraham is called of God. God said, I want you to go to a land that you've never been to, a place you've never lived. And there I'm going to cause blessing to come upon you and upon your children's children. And he says, those that bless you, I'll bless. Those that curse you, I'll curse. Wonderful story. He goes out in chapter 12 of the book of Genesis. He goes out and the first thing he does after he gets to that land, he builds an altar for God. And he gives God an offering. Everybody say offering. Everybody say, offering is my choice. Thank you. Now we get into chapter 14, after, it, after he's gone through 13, where he went to a land because there was a famine in the land, and he went to Egypt, and there he, he, he went through this whole process, and he, he, he did not, he deceived the, the king, and the king found out that he had not told him the truth about his wife, and the king said, take everything that I've given you in favor for because of your wife. By the way, guys, if you have a wife who loves you and supports you, then you're blessed because of her. Come on, ladies, help me out a little bit there. And because of his wife, he was made rich, very rich. So that's real important why you should stay in unity with your wife and make sure that you're in her good graces. Some of you look at me like I'm, no, I'm reading the Bible. That doesn't mean you're not the high priest of the household. It means you got enough sense as a high priest to listen to the woman God gave you to surround and age you with a sister. Anyway, we're doing the marriage thing right now. We're moving on. So, so, he came back from the foreign land, and he went back to the altar that he had built, and he gave God another offering. Everybody say offering. My responsibility. So now we get into the 14th chapter, and he's realizing there's a problem between his, his, his nephew and, and, and the men that he has and, and, and his own men. They're, they're, they're hanging up, having a problem. And so he, he goes to Lot because the problem is this. Everybody say disobedience. See, it's so funny. We've got to get these principles right. The disobedience here was that God told him to go to this land and not take family with him. But he took his nephew. So no matter how much he prospered, there was always a fly in the ointment that was going to create the prosperity to be a problem. 
So you can be blessed beyond measure, but things are always going wrong. Something always going on. I can't understand it. I'm so blessed in this every area, but here, I can't get rid of this thing. Because he had Lot. Lot, and, and they all, Lot was prosperous because he was with Abram. But now their herdsmen begin to fight with one another. So finally, he, he realizes that he goes to Lot, and he says, listen, because the Lord spoke to him. And he says, listen, we need to, I need to get you out of my life. I'm letting that sink into my Get you out of my life. Some of you got people in your lives you need to get rid of. <laughs> Three people. Yay! <laughs> that doesn't mean husband or wife. <laughs> Separates himself. He says, you look, and what do you want you can have? He said, oh, good, I'll take all the green pastures, I'll take the valleys, I'll take all of that. He said, fine, he leaves. God says, now, here's the deal. He's going down, but you're up. As far as your eye can see, you can possess. <laughs> it's important to understand, we do the difficult, God does the impossible. Amen. Amen. So now... He's, things are beginning to move in the right direction, and he hears that Lot has been raided by five kings who've come in to wage war, and has taken all of his goods, all of his stuff, all of his family, all of his kids, and he's taken them with him. And so he feels the obligation to go rescue his nephew, which he does. Now, when he returns from the rescue, he not only defeated everybody, he got all of their stuff back. But he also got all of these king stuff. Well, I love double portions, don't you? But we've got a problem here. Because it said, so he brought back all the goods. And in chapter uh, 14, verse 16, he brought back all the goods. Also brought back his brother's lot and his goods, as well as the women and the people. And the king of Sodom went out to meet him in the valley of Shaveh. That is the king's valley after his return from the defeat of the Chedorlaomer and the kings who were with him. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was the priest of the Most High God. He blessed him, and blessed be Abraham of God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hands, and he gave him tithe of all. Now, I want us to look at something and get a hold of something here real quick. Someone asked me once, they said, well, you know, who is Melchizedek? And there wasn't, he never, never, we never where he came from, we never know where he went, we, we just don't understand, and, and you know, who, who, is, who, is, who is this guy? Well, the Bible, Bible tells us that he says this, Jesus is a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. Jesus always has been, always will be. He's the, he's the beginning and the end. There is no beginning. There's no ending with Jesus. Melchizedek, no beginning, no ending. In fact, Melchizedek was a type and shadow of Jesus. Melchizedek, everybody say, was in the Old Testament. But we can't get any newer in the New Testament than Jesus. Come on, say it again. Melchizedek was the Old Testament. It cannot get newer of a New Testament than Jesus. Jesus was after the order of Melchizedek. 
Therefore, Jesus still receives tithe. You don't change order. That's who he is. It's his persona. He is the son of the living God. We don't have a problem saying he is the redeemer. He shed his blood that my life would be forgiven. But we have a problem saying that he is the receiver of tithe. We believe he'll get us into heaven. But we don't believe we're cursed when we don't honor him on earth. Now, go back to Genesis in the 14th chapter, and you find that he gave him, he brought back all the goods, he rescued all the goods of Lot's, then he brought all the goods from the other kings. He ran into Melchizedek, who is a high priest of the Most High God, who receives tithe, and he gave him tithe of all. Everybody say all. Now, what's real important that we get here is he did not, and here's what we teach in the church and why the church is so messed up and why we're so back, backward when it comes to kingdom principles. He did not give him tithe of what he had just won. It was not his. Well, I don't know about that. You know, you get the spoils. Well, let's read it a moment. The king of Sodom said to Abram, give me the persons, take the goods for yourself. In other words, the king couldn't tell him to take something if it wasn't his. And when you go to a battle and you're living in someone else's kingdom, whatever you win in that battle, it becomes the king of that kingdom stuff. It's not yours. So he couldn't give him tithe of what was the king's because the king hadn't given it to him yet. He gave him tithe of all before the king said, you can keep the other stuff. So he did not have possession of the goods that he had rescued because the king had not given it to him yet. He had to give him tithe of all, all of what? In 12, 13, and 14, every, everything that he made, everything that he received, everything that he grew, everything that he produced, he went back for years and brought tithe to Melchizedek. You can't even comprehend how much he had to give Melchizedek because the Bible says in the 14th or 13th chapter, Abraham was rich, he was very rich. Say, where are you going with this, Pat? Just stay with me. We're going somewhere. Prayer, praise, presentation. Brought him tithe. I, I, I don't know. I'd hate to think that I've got to go back for the last 20 years and conjure up enough money if I had not tithe. Thank God I have. And had to pay tithe on 20 years. If you're not paid tithe, how would you like to go out and pay 20 years of tithe? She would have a hard time with you because you've not done it right. Because <laughs> you take food out of your kid's mouth to be able to do it. I mean, think about that, Mark. How would you like to go back 20 years? You got to sell your house, you got to sell your goods, you got to do your stuff. I'll be honest with you. I mean, when you go back 20 years, let's just, use it. Let's just go 10 years. That's frightening. But Abraham had so much money, he could go back to all the years, calculate what he had gained, and give it all. Oh, I'm missing some of you up now. Well, boy, I wish I could do that. Well, it's because you're not practicing prayer, praise, and presentation. I'm missing some of you up now. Well, you just, no, no, it's Bible. I'm talking Bible. 
Just talking Bible. I'm not talking religion. I'm not trying to get something from you. I'm trying to teach you something that if you'll apply it, it'll change spirit, soul, and body. It'll change every aspect of your life. Chapter 15, verse 1. Put that up on the screen, please, of Genesis. Chapter 15, verse 1 of Genesis. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Ooh, stop right there. After what things? Now mark this down. <laughs> Every promise in the book is wonderful. And we always say they're mine. They really aren't, but we claim them as ours. Promises are only good for what you're doing in the moment. Some promises I don't need right now. Oh, come on, stay with me, folks. I'm healthy. I don't need healing in my body today. So I don't need the promise of healing right now. So put that aside. I need a promise of other stuff. So you, the promise that is meant real to you is what you have need of in the moment. And God shall supply all of your needs according to, Okay. Okay. So, he had the promise in Genesis chapter 12. He got so excited, he gave God an offering celebrating who God was. He became very rich and gave another offering and celebrated who God was. But when he ran into Melchizedek, he said, whoa, wait a minute. I've not given God what's his. So, he went back. And gave him tithe of everything to what was God's. Now watch this now. And when he did that, the word of the Lord came to him in a vision. Which tells me something. If I'm not a tither, I'm never going to fully understand the word of God. Go to the book of Malachi chapter 3. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Malachi chapter 3. We'll start in verse 6. We can put that up on the screen. For I am the Lord, I do not change. Therefore you are not consumed, O sons of Jacob. Next verse. Yet from the days of your fathers you have gone away from my ordinances and, and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you. Now this is important language here. He didn't say that you got to do what Abraham did. He just said return to me. Look at the person next to you and go, Man, if i got to go back and pay tithe of everything in the past, I'm really in trouble. <laughs> Thank God for Malachi. <laughs> Hallelujah. Return to me and I'll return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you said, in what way shall we return to you? Next verse. Will a man rob, now it's important to see this word rob God, but you have robbed me. The word rob is a very unique word. See, if I steal from you, that's one thing. But when I rob you, that means I've caused you harm. So you can steal from somebody and not cause them harm. But you can't rob somebody and not create some harm. Rob talks about a physical in, encounter. God says, you have physically harmed me in my kingdom. Because you've robbed me. In what way have we robbed you? In tithe and in offering. 
in tithe, the tree in the garden, and offering the fruit of the rest of the garden. You've not given, you've, you've, you've taken mine, you've touched it, you've consumed it, you've used it, and then you throw me a little bit of the fruit acting like you love me. Now watch this, keep going, keep going, next verse. You're cursed with a curse. You've robbed me, even the whole nation. In other words, you've robbed me and the whole church that you belong to. This is talking about the nation of Israel. He's talking about here to the local church that when we have people who don't tithe, you rob this church of what God can do. Boy, that's messing somebody up now. I know. You're ready for Minister Sean to come back next week. Let him throw some more stones around. Next verse. Bring all the tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I want to open you the windows of heaven. Well, let let me see something. What are windows for? See, we cover the windows here with a screen so the sun doesn't hurt you. You can still see out. Why? Because windows are there so you can see outside. Windows are for viewing. He says, if you will honor me with the time, I will open the windows. I'll let you see out the windows. They're, they're covered right now, but I will open them. Pour out a blessing. It's important we see this. And pour out for you such a blessing. Pour out for you means I'm going to release and pour into you. I have not seen, ears not heard, in the heart of man, the things God has prepared for them. I'm going to pour into your life like a floodgate. That you can begin to see what you've never seen before. Now watch this now. There will not be room enough to receive it. And pour out your, for you such a blessing. The blessing there is I'm going to let you see what you've never seen in such a floodgate fashion. That when you see it, I am going to release the blessing. The word bless such a, pour out for you such a blessing. Blessing is I'm going to declare what you see now as yours. The word blessing there is a demarcation or a benediction. In other words, that's it. That's final. Nothing added. Nothing taken. It's just the way you see it. Then there will not be room enough to receive it. How many people who never understood correctly, line upon line, precept, precept, the principles. We talked about kingdom of God is based upon principles. They don't understand the principle of tithing. Consequently, you take and you throw it in a bucket when it passes by, if it's a tithe, and but you don't, you go, but there's not supposed to be room enough to receive it. Is there anybody here that can't receive anything else? Anybody here that doesn't want to give more to the kingdom of God? Anybody here that won't want to help people that are hurting? Anybody here that doesn't want to, want, want, want to send aid over to the Ukraine? Anybody here that doesn't want to take care of the widow? Anybody here that doesn't want to take care of the orphan? Anybody here that want to take care of the people who, who are impaired in their own lives, they need help? Anybody here that's got so much that you can give it all? You've got so much to give, you never run short? That's not what that verse means at all. It says that there will not be room enough to, in other words, you can't comprehend it at one shot. You can't receive it all at one time. It's going to take time for you to understand this. Line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little and there a little. 
But as you walk in that vision, and I want to point something out to you. Abraham had no vision but one. So why are you doing walking around with two or three so-called visions that you say God gave you? You know, God had nothing to do with it. You know why? Because you've not been tithing and not letting open the windows of heaven and show you what's yours. Consequently, you're making up stuff as you go saying every promise in the book is mine. No, it's not. I know I'm being hard today, but folks, listen, it's time this church begin to move into a dimension. We're going to shake South Florida. I'm looking for an army. I want 300 men and women that'll stand with me in prayer, praise, and presentation that we're going to shake, shake, shake South Florida in such a dimension. I don't need 1,000, 1,500, 2,005. Give me 300 people that understand this principle and we'll change South Florida. Back to Genesis 15. <laughs> After these things, the word of the Lord came to him in a vision. Because the windows were open, now he could have a revelation. God says, now I've got to seal it in you. Now, what, now watch this now. Remember what I said? It's line upon line, precept upon precept. It's so much, you can't all catch, catch it all at once. It takes a season to develop. Look at what he says here. Do not be afraid, Abram. I'm your shield. You're a seed and great reward. But Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me seeing that I'm childless? You show me the vision again, but I don't have any kids. It's been years. But you hadn't been able to see your kids. You've only had a promise, but you've never had a revelation. Everybody say tithe produces revelation. Wow. Isn't that amazing? If you don't tithe, you're not in position for revelation. You're not going to understand it. You're not going you know. And so here he's coming to him with his understanding because he's just tithed. So he's not grown in that yet, has he? Come on, say with me, guys. He's not developed in that. See, some of you are going to start tithing and you go into the first week, well, I don't say nothing. Say, I don't say nothing. Just stay steady. As you grow in that revelation begins to manifest itself. And the more that you operate in the principle, the more God reveals to you. And you partake of his divine nature. Can you remember when you first got saved? Were you quoting scripture the first day you got saved? You weren't quoting scripture. Don't don't say, yeah, don't lie. You're in the church. You weren't quoting scripture the first day you got saved. You didn't know scripture. Come on, folks. Why? Because once you got saved, you begin to grow in Scripture and understanding. And it says you're changed from glory to glory. We are much growing up. We once were children, but now we, are, now, now we need to mature. We need to move from the milk of the Word to the meat of the Word. Amen? Now watch this now. And Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me? In other words, I'm not growing in this yet. Abram, then Abram said, look, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. In other words, my common sense tells me maybe this will work. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him saying, this one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and he said, look towards the heavens, count the stars if you're able to number them. And he said to him, so shall your descendants be. And he believed in the Lord and he counted to him for righteousness. 
Then he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of the Chaldees to give you this land to inherit it. Now let me remind you who I am. And as you're looking at the stars, I'm going to begin to increase your ability to understand not the promise, but the revelation of children I'm going to give you. It's not enough just to have a revelation. You've got to understand it. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Faith cometh by comprehending, perceiving, and understanding by the word of God. The word of God paints pictures on the canvas of your mind. But if you haven't given time, you can't understand it. Fascinating, isn't it? This is called 101, folks, in the kingdom. So he looks at the stars. He can't number them all. That's my kids. All the stars now are no longer looking like stars. They're looking like people. He sees them differently. You ever seen some things differently? You look at it one way and then somebody tells you something about it. You look at it and you go, oh, wow. Oh, yeah, I see it now. You ever looked at something and know what you were looking at until somebody explained to you what it was? And then you look back at it and you go, wow, I understand that. Yes, I see that now. Yeah. But what's fascinating about this, verse 8, and he said to the Lord, how shall I know that I will inherit it? Now, he said he believed God. The word believed is he, he took what God said and he made it a part of his life. He took and counted unto him righteousness. It means he, he took the word of God and the word, the terminology there is like to take a needle and thread and put through uh, a fabric back and forth, back and forth. So eventually you can't tell the, the, the thread that you've woven into the fabric from the fabric. It becomes one. It says he so believed the word of God that he became so one with the word of God that when anybody ever saw him, all he was talking about was his kids. Now he's got a 90-year-old woman over here. He's 100 years old, and he's talking about his new kids. Somebody started walking around here, you go, <laughs> Bishop, we need to talk to them. They need some help. They, they, they need prayer, need deliverance, need to put them in a padded cell. Now, understand, so he's become one with the Word of God with the picture that's painted on the canvas of his mind by the Word. When he looks at the stars, all he sees, he's so one with the Word of God, all he sees is the kids. But he says something so unique. It's not about believing. It's not about faith. He says, how shall I know that I will inherit it? How do I do this? You've given me a revelation. How do I get the manifestation? I'm so tired of watching TV and watching people who have won the lotto and buying million-dollar homes. How do I get my million-dollar home? People riding around in three, four hundred thousand-dollar cars, hundred thousand-dollar cars they paid for. How do I get my seventy thousand-dollar car paid for? People living at a high standard, writing checks for 100, 200, 300, 400 million dollars. Oh, we're going to give a million dollars to the Ukraine fund. I can't raise a million dollars for the orphanage in Thailand. There's people writing checks out there, and we sit in the church going, mm-hmm. <laughs> We're going to pray for you. <laughs> Stop praying. 
If you're not doing the other, don't pray. Because your prayer is not being answered. I, I know I'm not popular. I know people turn me on. I, I'm sorry, guys. And no, I'm not sorry. I take that back. I'm not sorry. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just at that place in my life that I'm just going to say it the way it is. I'm through trying to make people happy. I do not want this church to fall short of what God's called you to do. I want everybody walking in the doors of this church, if they're not a visitor, because they haven't heard the word yet, if you've been in this church six months, I want you headed on a debt-free journey. I want you on a health-free, no-sickness journey. I want you on a peaceful journey. I want you walking in favor journey. If you're visitors, I hope you'll stay with us so over the next six months we can teach the Word of God to you so that you get on the same journey with us. We want everybody to go with us. It's not enough that one person is in the church or two people or ten people. All of us. Our call of God, kingdom believers. If it works in one life, it works in the other. How do I know? How can I manifest this? He said, bring me an old female goat, a three-year-old ram, three-year-old female goat, a three, not an old goat, but a three-year-old goat, <laughs> a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, a young pigeon. He brought all these to him and he cut them in, in two down the middle and placed them each piece opposite this other but he did not cut the birds in two and when the vultures came down on the carcasses Abraham drove them away we did this years ago with the vulture chasers you know it's funny see when you start giving a tithe and offering somebody's going to say something And let me say this to you. For everything that's real, there's also an imitation. So when you see somebody who misuses the kingdom of God's money, it doesn't mean the kingdom of God is wrong. It means they're wrong. Principles do not change. God does not change. But you're going to have to learn to tell those vultures, go away. And I don't mean, shut the out of my life. Fear, get away from me. I, listen, I, I understand, but I've gave my tithe. I'll just have to wait on getting that car fixed. Yeah. What? Yeah, because God said the righteous have not been forsaken or their seed begging for bread. And I'm a tither. God's got an obligation to do something about that broken down car. But until I put God first, I never know it. And I've got to learn to chase those vultures away. I've got to learn to chase away fear. I've got to learn to chase away doubt. I've got, I've got to learn to chase away those people that are negative. I've got to learn to chase away those things that are politically that I've been listening to that cause me to be angry at other people. And there's nothing I can do to change. My Bible says pray for the people in Washington. It didn't say go around and complain about them. God knew who they were before they got there. He knows what their problems are. God, kingdom of God come, will of God be done. You can work this out what I cannot work out. I'm believing you. I don't like it. I don't want to pay $5 at the gas tank. I don't want to pay 18, 19% more for a piece of meat. 
But I got news for you. My God supplies my needs. He will deal with those people. He says that the thief is going to have to return sevenfold into my life. Chase the vulture away. Chase sin away. Chase fox away. Chase away those media people. Get rid of them. Vultures. Things that cause me to be inconsistent. Get. I'm just not going to deal with that anymore. Well, why aren't you coming over? Why aren't you hanging out with us anymore? Because you make me inconsistent. I don't want to hang out with you. I don't need to expose myself to, with people that causes me to be inconsistent. I don't need to listen to your rhetoric when you use the words of God in vain. I don't need to hear you effing this and effing that. I get, get away from me. And we sit and we and we sit around and going, well, you know, it's just the way the world. I don't care what the world is. I'm not in the world. I'm in it. But I mean, I'm not of the world. I don't have to tolerate this stuff. I tell you what you do. Next time somebody uses GD or uses the F word, go shatabakashikorobokuratapakata, and then see what they say. They're gonna they're gonna look at you and say, every time you talk that way. I'm going to talk this way. <laughs> Hello. Here they come. Watch what you're saying. These people are crazy. No, I have the mind of God, not the mind of the world. You want me to think like the world? I'd rather think like God. Come on, folks. He chased them away. Come on, everybody say, he chased them away. All right, Sean, get up here. Take one of those rocks. I'm too old to do this. Put one of those rocks over here. Put a rock right there. Thank you, son. Reese, get over here. Get a rock. I'm, I'm an equal opportunity person. I want you to put that one over here, right here. Uh, Sean, get that one there, the big, the big one there. Not the little one, the big one. <laughs> big one, right here. Yeah. Come on, no, don't go questioning me. Just put it, put it right there. Raise. Eh, let's just take this one. That'll be okay. And you, you can uh, put that in front here. Okay, y'all can go sit down. Sorry, I can carry this. <laughs> now watch what happened. He took the offering. And he laid it out before God. And he separated it. They were different sizes. So there's a 50, and there's a 50, and that's a 220s, and there's another 50. Okay, so I know somebody's already counting up now. (laughs) 
it says that he fell into a trance. In other words, he went into the spirit realm, that the natural man was not operational. Okay? I'm going to ask some musicians to come. This is how we fight our battles. <laughs> and the Bible says that when he laid them out and the Spirit of God came upon Abram, that God came down and he began to walk amongst and between the offering. Oh, God. Lord, help me here. God himself tithe is what I make covenant with God. It's holy unto him. Offering is what I, in my heart, decide that I will give. Now, the Spirit of God will speak to you about offerings, yeah. But it's what you make that decision. You say, I'm going to say, I don't. See, here's the point you need to understand. Offerings do not, even if God says give an offering, you don't have to give it. If you're a tither, God's still going to open one's heaven and show you revelation. But when you give an offering, oh, God, help me here. When you give an offering, say, I've already made a covenant with God, but now when I give an offering, God, it says in, in, in Genesis 15 there, it says that God walked amongst the offering, and he, he, God, made covenant and start playing something. Don't want to work alone. He, God, now made covenant with Abraham. Covenant with God shows revelation. Offering with God causes God to make covenant with us. And when he make covenant with us, he brings manifestation. How do I know the revelation? Because when you honor me, well, let's go back to Pentecost. It's a time we go to God's house, the house of prayer. We bring the tithe because that's the first of the fruit we got all. And we give him praise for that. But then we give him an offering because we're looking for the harvest. We're calling those things which be not as though they are. God said, when I give the offering, he will make covenant with me and bring manifestation. Don't fool yourself. You cannot bring manifestation. Only God can bring manifestation. Such is the kingdom of God. If a man should scatter seed, he goes to bed at night, gets up in the morning, he does not know how it grows. But as it begins to come up, then he is able to reap the harvest because only God can make manifestation. Only God. Prayer. Praise. Presentation. Presence. Power. Passion. This is how I fight my battles. I trust my God. I said I trust my God. There's no other principles here. There's one principle, always honoring God with what's His, and then allowing what He gives you to become a portion of celebrating 
God in your life. See, my offering's a celebration. And God says, when you celebrate me, I inhabit the praises of my people. And I make covenant with you. Thank you for listening. We trust that what you heard today has encouraged you to live the abundant life. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on our website, AbundantLife.tv, or follow us on Instagram at AbundantLife underscore TV and Facebook at Come to Life. And remember, God is a good God. He loves you and he wants to bless you.